Hi, I'm Jessie, your host of the Jessie Williams podcast. I'm an entrepreneur and business mentor bringing you fun and thought-provoking conversations around money, wellness, business, life, and personal development. This is the space where humor meets depth and no topic is off limits. Let's fuck shit up. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. We're going to have a little conversation today around how masculine and feminine energetics have a influence and an impact on coaching dynamics, um, which is really interesting. I've never heard anyone really speak about this before, but I think it's an interesting and an important conversation because uh, when we don't understand this, this is where we're at risk of either leaving, uh, you know, clients potentially walking that could have been a great client or we don't have very strong client retention. In other words, we don't have clients really wanting to resign. And sometimes people are going to be in a particular industry or they're going to have a kind of like their job and their role as a coach is a one and done. So what I mean by that is there's a very particular purpose and time period required and once a person feels complete, that's perfect. So as an example, a gut specialist, you may have a client who comes to you with a problem with their gut and they work with you for six months and then their gut is healed and they're they're often they're completed. So client retention isn't as important for you. However, even in situations where you are a one and done what you will find is you will have people return or want to stay with you anyway because of the way that you do things like your skill, your craft, your personality, etc. So even as an example, I have been working with a health coach on and off for over two years now. And initially when I started working with him, it was because I had like a problem. I was having, you know, dermatitis showing up on my skin. I was developing new allergies like every Every six months, I would I would develop like a new allergy, and the list was just building. And yeah, there was just like skin stuff and and whatnot. So I worked with him to fix a problem. Let's just say, and I had such amazing results with him that you know my dermatitis went away, all of that kind of stuff. Um, another huge thing was working on my endo. I ended up having like non painful periods. So there were so many things where it's like we checked a lot of boxes, right? And so you could say that I was complete. I, The problem that I went to him for was fixed. However, I have kept going back and, you know, purchasing new protocols for him, continuing to get him to look at my blood work, even though nothing's quote unquote wrong now, because I want to optimize my health. And, you know, because of the service I had and how impactful it was, I have continued to, to do that and use that. So even if you are someone who is a coach where you have a one and done, you will find that people will continue to come back and and use you and stay with you even when they don't have a problem. I've seen this even with people who are fitness trainers, like people come in and, you know, they just want to learn how to exercise at the gym or whatever, something very basic and very simple. And someone will get to a level where like they've lost the weight or they've built the muscle or they feel confident in the gym or whatever it is. And it's like, hey, I'm good, but I kind of want to keep working with you. And this is something that I had when I was in um, the mindset uh, space as well. So it can absolutely happen. So I just wanted to kind of like talk about that from a client retention perspective. But also you can have potentially people who never sign up with you in the first place. And a huge reason this happens, a huge reason that we potentially don't have people sign up with us or we don't get strong client retention is because we lack an understanding of the feminine and masculine coaching role dynamics. 
Now, you don't actually have to understand masculine, feminine coaching role dynamics. As I said, no one's really spoken about this. I've never heard anyone speak about this before, but you can be naturally doing this without you even knowing it. And therefore, like that's why you're having great outcomes. So let's break it down. I'm not going to do a whole episode on like, what is the masculine and what is the feminine? Like I've done old masterclasses on that. I've probably got podcast episodes on it or you'll be able to find them. So I'm going to take into account that you have a basic understanding of what masculine and feminine energetics are, what they mean. Um, for context for this episode. However, how this applies in the coaching industry is that any coach or any seller is always the masculine in the relationship. Every buyer or client is always the feminine. It never changes. Never, never, never changes. The The client is never the masculine and the coach is never going to be the feminine. That's just not how it's ever going to happen. And the reason being is when someone is hiring a coach, irregardless of what coach you are, whether you're a business coach, a mindset coach, a trauma healer, a Reiki, a like freaking shadow work, polarity coach, relationship, like it doesn't matter, whatever kind of coach you are. Someone hires a coach to, on some level, and we can use a lot of different language here, like guide them, right? They hire someone to guide them. They're hiring someone to help them. They're hiring someone to give them direction. They're hiring someone ultimately that they're putting their trust into that person to support them in a particular area. So when we actually understand the, you know, traditional, when we look at masculine and feminine energetics, we know that the masculine is typically the the provider, the safety net, the security to really hold the feminine and is really the container. So as in, when we look at from a coach's perspective, a coach is always going to be the masculine because they're the one that's setting the container for the feminine to feel safe, to move, express, respond accordingly, Right. There's also an exchange, financial exchange. There's a, there's a lot of different things that are happening at play. So then if we can establish that the coach is always going to be the masculine because the coach is setting the container, the coach is, uh, you know, setting the, the safe space, they're being the, the provider, right? They're providing a service, they're being the provider, they're, they're leading all of that kind of energy and, and we could go and we could use a lot of language. But ultimately, like, that is the role and that is the dynamic. So what that then means is anything that you could be doing that is taking you out of leading in your healthy or your uh, really sacred masculine in a coach-client relationship is potentially going to make that client pull them out of their feminine right? You're pulling them out of their feminine. So in some situations, if there's things where there's a lack of direction, there's a lack of mutual purpose, there's a lack of communication, there's a lack of leadership, authority, and and really guiding and, and setting the container, ultimately that client can't fully be in their feminine, which means there's a part where they can't be fully responsive, they can't fully express, they can't be fully intuitive, they can't completely let go, right? Because the bottom line is the masculine supports and creates the safe environment and and the container for the feminine to let go fully because the feminine comes into an energy of, I don't have to worry because the masculine's got me. There's like, there's a protection. There's a protection that happens. So it's like, I don't need to 
look and check and and look for all my blind spots or or check myself because the masculine will check me the masculine will pull me back in line the masculine will pull me back over the edge there's always going to be kind of like that frequency that's happening so with a coach client relationship ultimately the client should be in a level of surrender where it's like okay my coach has got me they're they're checking my blind spots they're going to pull me over the the edge and what this doesn't mean what this doesn't mean is that they need to be handheld or they need to be spoon fed or they need to be checked in on or like, you know, they're not children, right? They're not children. They get to be, you know, adults. They get to have levels of self-leadership and, but you can have a client that is very self-led that is still the feminine in the relationship. Okay, you can have a client that is very self-led, that is very uh, assertive, that is very powerful, but in the coach-client relationship, they are still the feminine of the two. And ultimately, what that means is that in any situation, the coach is still setting the safe space, setting the container, leading, directing, and there's a level of protection there. And it's interesting because I remember this uh, conversation I had with my mentor, this would have been like uh, almost like 18 months ago. And I was going through a lot of kind of like self-exploration, self-discovery, uncovering shadows, like just a lot of very internal stuff where I was integrating a lot. And I kept doing what I call checking. And what checking means is it's where I'm going forward, I'm driving forward, I'm convicted in what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden I slow down and I get distracted. And rather than continuing on or moving forward, I'm looking behind me. So this, an example of this is I could be, you know, ruthlessly moving forward, going in business, posting content, doing X, Y, Z. And all of a sudden I stop and I pull myself out of it and I go, oh my gosh, am I being too obnoxious? Am I being too shamey? Am I being too this? Are my prices okay? Am I? And I kept checking rather than trusting that I knew myself, trusting that I was acting from integrity, trusting that I knew what I was doing, trusting that I was leading, trusting, trusting, trusting. So checking is the opposite of trusting. And anytime we need to check, we need to slow ourselves down. And I remember having this conversation with my mentor where she's like, Jesse, half of the value of you having a mentor is that you get to keep powering forward and you never have to stop to check because I'm checking for you. And it was this moment of like, I just remember exhaling where I was like, fuck. And this is also why having a a coach that's not a people pleaser or, you know, sucking up your ass or whatever and is actually going to tell you how it is, is very important. Because I remember thinking like my mentor is always going to call me out if it's required. Like if I do something out of integrity, like she's going to call me out on that shit. Like she's going to catch it. If I'm about to walk off a cliff, she's going to fucking tell me. So I get to be not naive. Like that's like, like let's not exaggerate it, but let's play with that language. I get to be naive. I get to be, you know, even when we look at feminine archetypes, like I got to be the maiden, you know, in that I got to be like silly and playful and I got to be sporadic and I got to take risks and I got to move and I got to be obnoxious and I got to be all these things because if anything went too far, my mentor would always catch me. So even in that situation, my feminine got to, got to run wild in my business and I didn't have to slow myself down. I got to keep moving and keep playing and keep, you know, trusting my intuitive nudges, but also 
when I needed to be checked, she would check me. So she was still the masculine in the dynamic of she's like, hey, I'm, I'm like watching, I'm providing. And again, like I, I use this analogy of like, I just always have this visual in my mind of someone about to walk off a cliff and, you know, the masculine just hooking them by the back of the shirt and going, oh, <laughs> nearly went too far, right? So that's a beautiful experience of, of where that's ultimately like showed up for me. But I think this can happen from very, very early days. And when I say early days, a sales process and a sales conversation, I see people, even as an example, like I don't do sales calls anymore. I haven't done sales calls for about two years, but there was a time in my business that I did and um, where I could be in my feminine and leading a sales call was like, hey, do you maybe like want to get on a call and see if this is a good fit for you? Like what kind of times work? Like what works within your schedule? Feminine, right? There's no direction. There's no leadership. There's no boom, boom, boom. This is, this is your options. Make a choice. It lacks a lot of leadership to be entirely honest. It's very like expecting the client to lead, expecting the client to tell you the time, to tell you if it's okay. And you don't have to take this to extremes. It's not like we're getting on a call like 2 p.m. tomorrow, be there. Like it's, that's not the vibe either. But what it can be is, hey, I would love to get on, on a call and just like make sure this is feeling like a really good fit for both of us. I have some times available like tomorrow, Friday or Monday at this time, this time, this time, which time works best, right? So you're, you're ultimately giving them choice and this takes out overwhelm. So when we look at masculine and feminine dynamics, the feminine doesn't want to be overwhelmed. The feminine wants like simplicity, like the masculine creates the simplicity and the structure. And then the feminine ultimately gets to decide and the masculine responds to that. So this is no different to even a conversation. If you're in a relationship, you know, do you want someone to say, what do you feel like for dinner? Or do you want like, hey, babe, I've booked dinner at like 6 p.m. Wear something nice, right? That's very, very masculine. Or a middle ground, which is still masculine, is like, hey, like I'm going to like dinner's on me tonight. Japanese or Thai food you choose. And you're giving them like you've just given them two choices and all they've got to say is Japanese. Or you can say, hey, like we're in or out tonight. You know, you but ultimately you're giving them choice. You're not going, what do you want to eat? That's like putting someone into overwhelm where there's there's too many open loops. There's too many possibilities. So in a coach-client relationship dynamic, in when it comes to the sales process, ultimately we want to make sure that we're not giving people too much choice, that that choice leads to overwhelm. The choices should be simple. For example, I'm not going to have a sales page where people can do payment plans and there's 15 payment plan options. That's fucking overwhelming. I'm going to give them three or four. Okay. I care about there being flexibility and fluidity. And ultimately, if someone really asked and wanted something that was in the middle, maybe we would custom create that, but I'm not going to be like, Hey, you can do a one month payment plan, two month, three month, four month, five month, six month. I'm like, no, you can pay in full. You can do a six month or you can do a 12 month. Like they're your option. Like, you know, things like that. Or if I'm going to offer something that's going to have a maximum of a three month payment plan, I'm not going to offer pay in full fortnightly payments, this option, that option, this option. So looking at your sales process, everything from like, honestly, your checkouts, but I think this is more important in actual conversations with clients in the DMs and things like that, how you're leading a sales conversation. And we speak about this a lot in Ready Launch Sale, like how you can actually, um, we have a whole module called Down in the DMs, which is like how you can have more leadership and authority in a sales conversation that makes a client feel like like grounded and safe to ultimately like buy, which is fantastic. But 
this is kind of where some of those foundations come in play of not lacking leadership. Like there needs to be a level of leadership in a sales conversation, but then also in the actual coaching relationship, there needs to be a level of leadership as well. And I'm going to give you guys another example of where I really saw this is early last year, I worked with two coaches at one time. And one coach had a lot of boundaries. So they had these like client guidelines and within the guidelines were like a lot of like expectations, boundaries, do this, don't do this. I'm available for this. I'm not available for this. Like so many boundaries. And, um, you know, they had very much said, these are the available call times. You can choose Monday at this time or this time or Wednesday. Like there was like three choices of call times and I just had to pick from those three and make it fucking work. And, you know, there was all these boundaries and it was like, this is when the container opens. This is when it ends. Like, this is how you use Voxer. This is how you don't. And someone would be like, Ooh, you know, you might think that's like intimidating because there was like a lot of structure, but it was so fucking good. And I'll tell you why I knew how to use the space. I knew how to use the fucking space. Like imagine you walked into a gym and you'd never seen a gym before. And it was just a bunch of fucking random equipment. And someone was just like, hi, like, welcome to the gym, use it. Like, you're going to be so overwhelmed, but, you know, maybe instead you're going to get like an induction and they're going to show you how to use the equipment or most of the equipment has little images showing you how to use it or you're going to hire a personal trainer to like show you or there's going to be a level of direction. Are you more likely to use the gym if there's no induction, no one shows you how to use a piece of equipment and you never learn about any exercises or are you more likely to stick at the gym if you have a PT or someone writes you a, a program or you do an induction? and you know how to use the equipment. You're going to feel way more comfortable when you know how to use the equipment. The same thing happens in a coach uh, dynamic. So I see a lot of people, how they set this container, the container starts and there's a lot of lack of leadership there too. So coming back to my story, I worked with this other coach, exact same time, was working with two at once because one was a mindset coach, one was a business coach. And the mindset coach was the one that had, you know, a lot of the boundaries And um, she told me the date we were starting, like all the things, like this is when we start. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. So everything was very organized. And then coach B, I paid the deposit and she was like, "Um," didn't really say much. And then I was like, oh, hey, like I forgot to ask when we start. And she's like, oh, well, like I have space. So like we could start next week if you want to. Like it was, it was like, and I was like, oh, Okay, like uh, almost like, you know, those situations where you know it's like fine, but it's like, but do you want me to start next week? Like it was a bit like that. I was like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Sounds good. And then um, she was like, yeah, cool. Just like add me on Voxar. And I added her on Voxar and the container just started. There was no, this is your start date. This is the date you finish. There was no boundaries. There was no guidelines. There was no, this is how you use the space. This is the kind of things you can ask. This is what you don't. There was no, um, there was nothing guys like, and, and I ended up barely using it because I was always like, is this okay to bring in? Can I not bring this in? Like it, it was, it was so much that I was the masculine. I asked when we started, I was asking all these questions and that didn't feel good from a client perspective of like, now I'm fucking leading the container. What am I paying you for? In the most, like, that's not what I thought, but this is like very, very unconscious when we look at energetics. This is probably what I was experiencing in my body. And ultimately, 
the, you know, we had the three months. I didn't even know when my last call was and it kind of just finished and wrapped up and I, that no part of me was going to resign. And whilst like the coach, incredible coach, but there was just so much lack of like leadership. I couldn't be in my feminine. I, I didn't have the container set for me. The container held for me in a way that like gave me a sense of structure in order for us to create mutual purpose. However, my other mentor, that was my mindset coach that then turned into a business coach and I re-signed with, I have now been with for two years and have just signed with my third year. So there you fucking go. And I think this is really important because so often we can be so wishy-washy and we think we're doing our clients, you know, good by letting them have all the choice and letting them have the reins. And we think that we're allowing them sovereignty and all these things. You can have sovereignty within boundaries. You can have, and, and look at relationships, right? Every relationship has boundaries, whether they're spoken or they're unspoken, like they have boundaries, but you can still have sovereignty within the boundary of the relationship. Like, and I think a lot of people, this is where they have a very um, poor relationship to duality and they don't like allow contradiction to exist. And it has to be very, very black or white as opposed to like them, them being able to balance in this beautiful in-between and there is an in-between. There's an in-between where you can really be in the masculine, in the, in the relationship dynamic. And what that doesn't mean is like, again, I feel like people can take this too far and be like, oh, well, like I've always got a lead, which means that doesn't mean being professional. That doesn't mean being dry. That doesn't mean being lifeless. That doesn't mean like, like it doesn't mean any of those things. All it means is lead lead, hold the space. You're the one holding the space. So hold the space, create the space, direct the space, direct the client. And the more you do that, you're actually giving them the opportunity to be more in their feminine so that they can actually express themselves. They can actually feel into their needs, but we can't make decisions when we're not given direction. And another, I'm going to give you a third example. They've done kind of like studies along these lines, but I'm going to use this kind of analogy. If you walk into a smoothie bar and that smoothie bar has 12 different smoothie options, there's like banana, there's mango, there's like two kinds of green ones. There's like 12, so like kind of a lot, but you've got choice, right? There's there's 12 and you've got choice, but also not so much choice that it's overwhelming. So you've decided you want the berry one. Okay. If you went into a smoothie bar and they give you one of those like six page menus. And if anyone's been to America or maybe you live in America, there's so many places in the US where it's, I I swear to God, their menus are like, is this a menu for four restaurants in one? Like they are so freaking long sometimes, but I've seen them in smoothie bars as well, where it's like, there's like 30 smoothie choices. And it's almost like, how do I even pick? There is too many options. People end up taking longer to decide That's a fact. People take longer to decide when there's more choice and it can really put them into overwhelm. And what happens uh, psychologically when people are given too much choice is people get afraid of making the wrong choice, especially when there's so many good things they like on the menu. What tends to happen is what if I pick the wrong one? What if I would have liked that more? It puts them into this state of like overthinking and almost scarcity where the, the more choice actually makes them feel more scarce. Whereas when there's less choice, there's less chance of fucking it up. So again, you can use this analogy, but the same thing kind of happens with 
coach client relationships where there's a lot of things where we think we want to give our client all of the choice. You choose the start date. You choose the 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 payment terms. You choose um like like all these things. You choose when we're going to get on a sales call. You choose. You choose. You choose. People actually don't want that. They they want to be told what to do. And I remember even thinking. When I, I used to with clients have, um, Calendly and I would have all these times so they could go into my Calendly and they could book a time that would work for them. And then I, when I changed over to Acuity and instead it was like, you've got this time, this time or this time choose. And I remember thinking like, oh, are people like, what if people can't do those times? Like I'm, you know, rather than being able to pick out of all these times throughout the week, they only get three options. No one's ever had a problem. Why? Because when people care about something and something's important to them and there's minimal choice, all they need to do is make a choice and work things around that choice. However, when they've got a million different options to choose from, it's overwhelming. So even if someone was in a situation of, okay, there's only three choices, it's like, well, out of those, this one's probably the best and I could make this work by adjusting this. All they need to do, that there's an option, they decide and then they move things around that, that decision. So again, so many ways this plays out, plays out in like sales, content, sales processes. Um, it shows up in how you set a container with a client, how you lead a, a coaching dynamic for the rest of the container. These are just examples, just examples. But I really invite you to start thinking about if you're someone who you're struggling to sign clients or you have very, very low client retention, where are you being too in the feminine that you're expecting the client to lead when the client is paying you to lead them? Start from the get-go. That should, that should begin from your very first initial point of contact. You need to set the container. You need to hold the space. You need to set the terms. You need to set the boundaries. You need to set the expectations. You need to tell them the start dates. And yes, you can give them options within that, but give them options. Don't expect them to tell you. Don't just say, when do you want to start? Say you can start this date or this date. That's what I have available. So again, there's there's a beautiful balance where you can give people choice. Um, you don't have to take away choice entirely, but just expecting people to know, it just puts them into overwhelm. You're making them think. Don't make them overthink. Give them structure and, and, and it works so much better. So just something for you to actually contemplate on where you've actually trying to be so nice and so accommodating, but you're actually doing your client a disservice. You're trying to be like so chilled and so laid back and so like supportive that actually you completely take support away from them. Support doesn't always just mean letting people make every little decision. Sometimes support is setting the container and giving people direction so they feel safe as well. So I hope this episode was helpful and just something cool for you to contemplate on and, and you get to take, like, walk away and, and audit your business, audit, you know, how you've been leading sales conversations, audit what happens from the moment a client signs up with you. Is there any direction and boundaries in that? Or does it just like start out of nowhere? How do you close a container with a client? How do you lead a, a, a you know, your coaching calls, things like that? And ultimately, are you being the provider? Are you being the safety net and things like that as well? And the final thing that comes into that is is also contemplating the energetics of the masculine as well and making sure that you're being congruent with those two. So when we look at, you know, there's certain things, uh, there's a podcast episode by Madeline Moon, very old episode, very, very old, but still very good. 
I can't remember the exact name, but it was something along the lines of like five things that can make the feminine not trust the masculine or something, something along those lines. And ultimately she goes through and she breaks down what the masculine can do that, that makes the feminine not feel safe or not be able to fully surrender or be in like their feminine. And there's different things, but even I don't remember exactly what they were, but it was an amazing episode. But even for example, let's play with uh, reliability. Reliability is a very, very important trait of the masculine and reliability can come through in many different forms. Reliability can come through with consistency and it can also come through with integrity and honoring your word. So for an example, something that would make the feminine not fully feel safe or not be able to surrender to or trust the masculine is if the masculine doesn't honor their word. So i.e. they say something, they say they'll do something, they say they'll be here or whatever, and then they don't follow through on that. Or if the masculine is very, very inconsistent, they're very, very up and down, hot, cold, yes, no, that is is completely contradictory for creating safety for the feminine. The feminine needs the masculine to be able to follow through, to commit, to remember things, to honor things, to be consistent. So the feminine doesn't have to. That's part of the point. I don't need to think about that now because I know you've got it, right? That's the energy of it. So bringing a lot of this then into the coaching space, just looking at, you know, you can even Google if you want to, you know, energetics and traits of the masculine. Are you expressing those? Are you being reliable? Are you being consistent? Are you honoring your word? Are you being an integrity? Like looking at all these things, there's so many things outside of that. So it comes back into you setting the space, you know, being the leader and stuff, but it also comes into traits and making sure that you're being the reliable, responsible backbone within the relationship so the client can ultimately feel safe. And this is very, very important. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you want to really learn how this applies, applies in in a sales setting. We have a lot of stuff that comes through in Ready Launch Sell around how your sales get impacted and people will either be repelled or magnetized to you based on how you lead conversations and things like that. We talk about consumer bias psychology. We talk about, you know, how to lead conversations in the DMs um, and how to be very, very secure for people to buy. But like we cover it all. Um, So that's totally available for you guys if something that's something that you want to be a part of. And we might drop an exclusive discount code. I'm deciding this right now. I'm going to drop an exclusive discount code just for my potty community. If you want to jump inside Ready Launch Sell, check the show notes. There will be a cheeky little discount code for you in there. And again, this is just for my podcast community. So if you want to get in on that program, you can take advantage of that code as well. So hope you guys enjoyed the episode and I will see you in the next one.